Hey everyone, this is Adam Ellenboss from Nightlight Astrology, and today we are going to start the first of a two-part series on the nodes of the moon changing signs. Uh, the nodes of the moon, depending on which system of measurement you use, I use the mean node, are changing signs this week. According to the mean node measurement, the nodes of the moon move into Libra and Aries on July 12th. But right about this time, the nodes of the moon are changing signs, and a lot of people have been asking me about it, and I thought, you know, probably good that we take a look at this. We took a look, you may remember back like a year and a half ago or so, we took a look at the nodes of the moon changing signs into Taurus and Scorpio. And so it's time to look at the nodes of the moon in Aries and Libra and see what we can learn from their placement here and refresh on the meaning of the nodes in general in ancient astrology, as well as sort of a little compare and contrast between the way that modern, say, evolutionary astrologers tend to look at the nodes of the moon and the way that traditional astrologers did, whichever way you prefer is obviously your choice. I will sort of refresh on that as well, although I've talked about that at length and probably won't labor that distinction too much, but I'll just do a little refresher on that today um, uh, so that people who aren't familiar with that talk or the nodes of the moon have a little more understanding. So that is our agenda for today. In part two, by the way, we'll do so today. We're just going to talk about the nodes, talk about the change. And then in tomorrow's video, we'll do horoscopes. We'll actually look at what kinds of topics might be coming up for you based on the placement of the nodes through the 12 whole sign houses. So like nodal change horoscopes, you could say. Anyway, before we get into it, as always, don't forget to like and subscribe. Share your comments in the comment section. It really helps the channel to grow. And if you'd like to find a transcript of today's talk, it's on the website, nightlightastrology.com. When you head over there, be sure to check out all of my readings and courses. Under the course page, you can learn all about our first year program. We just had one start in June. Next one starts in November. Uh, we have courses year-round, all different kinds. So be sure to check them out. Be sure to check out the upcoming speaker series that's happening this month. If you missed the first one, Becca Tarnas came and gave a great talk. Look at the speaker series. It's free. You can register for free to get free access to any of those talks that we do at once per season. We have three speakers. And you can check out all my readings, too. Any questions about any of it, email us, info at nightlightastrology.com. <clears throat> okay, well, let's take a look at the real-time clock so that we can... Uh, see the nodes of the moon changing signs. And I'll just draw a line between them. So here is the north node moving into Aries, the south node into Libra. The nodes of the moon are always moving retrograde or backward in zodiacal order. Uh, although depending on the measurement system you use, mean or true, they sometimes have little variances where it appears like they're moving forward a little bit and then backward. But generally speaking, they're consistently moving backward through the zodiac. So the north node was in Taurus rather than advancing to Gemini in zodiacal order. It's moving backward into Aries. So um, first of all, it's always interesting to note the previous periods as well as the length of the upcoming period. So let's take a look at how long this is going to last and then the last time that we had eclipses um, in these same places. And then tomorrow, when today we're also going to just talk about the nodes and what we might expect from the nodes moving into Aries and Libra overall on an archetypal level, and then we'll do some horoscopes tomorrow. So um, first of all, let's just play this out uh, by weeks. And first, in order to do this, I am going to eliminate everything from our perspective except for the nodes of the moon. And actually, you know what? I'll put the sun and moon back in so you can see the eclipses that form. So if we advance this, although the nodes have changed signs, we won't get our eclipses in uh, Libra and Aries for a little bit. So if we advance here, we can see that uh, this one's going to be too far off, I believe. This is September, roughly September 29th. 
of this autumn and depending on which hemisphere you're in, of course. And then we have the really the first big eclipse is the solar eclipse in Libra on about October 14th. Uh, depends, I suppose, on you know, where you are in the world. But October 14th here in the United States, uh, we have the solar eclipse in Libra. And that really is kicking off the cycle. And then you can see that the nodes are slowly moving backward. I'm going day at a time. Let's speed this up by weeks. So you can see that the nodes are reversing through uh, Aries and Libra. And then whenever we get to Aries or Libra season uh, by the sun, then we have our eclipses forming right around that time. So here you can see, for example, is another eclipse day in the spring or March of 2024. So here's another eclipse that we have. Here's a lunar eclipse, uh, this one in Libra on March 25th of 2024. And then if we go just a little bit further, we're going to see that there is a solar eclipse here uh, on April 8th in Aries, right? And so that's how it goes. The eclipses come around like that as the sun and moon, as the sun and moon form their new and full moons uh, through Aries and Libra season. Let's move this ahead by weeks again. And we can see that there's going to be, we could take it to Libra season in 2024. And here we'll have a here is a solar eclipse in Libra right around October 2nd of 2024. And we'll go through these, you know, obviously as the years go by uh, and the, the seasons, we will be looking at the, these will be our eclipse seasons. We are going to be talking about Aries and Libra eclipses for a while now. And then we're going to see the nodes of the moon change signs uh, right around the beginning of 2025. This is late January 2025. The nodes shift into um, Virgo and Pisces. So from the summer of 2023 to the early month of the, the earliest part of 2020, the first month of 2025, the nodes of the moon will be in Aries and Libra. So I always just say just roughly it's like a year and a half, something like that. Uh, makes it easy. Now, let's look backward in time at the previous times that we had. Uh, here we go. So if you look, this is the last time that we had eclipses in Aries and Libra. Of course, it would have been a little bit different back at, at, during this period of time because we would have had, we had the south node of the moon in Aries and the north node in Libra. And this was from uh, about the spring of 2014. Right, and let's just take this forward. So the spring of 2014, March, all the way to, um, looks like the fall of 2015. So spring of 2014, or I guess it was like winter, spring of 2014, all the way till the fall of 2015. And that was the last time that the nodes of the moon were in Aries and Libra, but they were flipped. So that's your kind of a halfway point of an 18 to 19 year cycle. Uh, if we go back prior to that, we're going to get the nodes of the moon in Aries and Libra. And here is the, here's the actual last time that this occurred. So let's go to do, we're going to, here we are now. The, the actual change would have occurred about 
late November, early December of 2004, as the North Node entered Aries and the South Node entered Libra. So, and, and then we can trace it out in terms of how long it stayed there. So you've got 2004, November. Let's take it forward all the way to, oops, here we go. So November 2004, all the way till about June of 2006. Isn't that interesting? I think that's fascinating. Like for me, that coincided with a, a really interesting period of, of time in my life. Um, it was, uh, you know, a time when I was in graduate school and so on and so forth. And when I look at, um, and the very first time that I drank ayahuasca and a, a time in which I began to um, embrace sobriety coming off from a period of uh, addiction to opiates. And it was ayahuasca that uh, lent me a huge hand in um, becoming sober and healthy again. And those eclipses were happening across my 12th and 6th house axis. So I think that that is, that's just really fascinating in terms of the, um, the uh, placement in the chart. And of course, there will be every cycle of eclipses, they come back around to the same places. Many of the healing adventures deepen. And, um, and of course, there, there's um, not just one story that happens during these periods or that recurs during subsequent eclipse seasons, but, you know, um, so many that are, that, that are present by virtue of the topics of the houses and the themes of the signs. So that's what we're going to do a separate day on horoscopes tomorrow. Uh, but anyway, so these are the last two periods that we had the eclipses in those places. And um, I think, you know, the first thing you could do is just think about those periods of time in your life and what was happening. And and you may see some, uh, you may see some connection to what's coming. But I would also warn you not to freak out if those were difficult periods for you. Often, as we mature and grow, the challenges suit the time of life that we're in. We're not necessarily going to go backward to, you know, being in our early twenties and, and having an opiate addiction or whatever. At least I hope not. <laughs> that is my prayer. <laughs> but th there will be new lessons and themes that coincide with the same areas of the chart or um, uh, similar kinds of, of lessons, although they fit the maturity level that you're at now, uh, spiritually or psychologically or whatever. So um, let's see here. So uh, first of all, that's the timeline. And uh, between now and the earliest, like January of 2025, we're in Aries Libra eclipse season and the nodes of the moon moving through those places. Um, so now we have to ask the question, what do the nodes of the moon generally indicate? And what could we specifically think about with them moving into Aries and Libra? So first of all, the modern evolutionary view, um, generally speaking, is that there is an impulse to grow and evolve, uh, and that the soul does so by following the path laid out by the north node of the moon. Now, in your birth chart, that's sort of like the master key. For evolutionary astrologers, the north node of the moon is like a you know, it's like a, a signpost pointing you toward the direction of your spiritual evolution. 
go do this. This is maybe unfamiliar territory, but it's the place you need to go in order to grow and, and evolve. Uh, the south node of the moon is what's already familiar to you. Maybe you've already done it or you've internalized the lessons and are very good at whatever the south node represents, but it's also the potential spot of hangups and shadows and stuff that needs to be let go of. And in order to let go of that and evolve, you will have to follow the path laid out by the north node. So, and it's a really, it's a really interesting paradigm. It's an interesting way of reading the nodes. And I don't, um, although it's not the one that I use in my practice, many of you out there probably listening to this um, are familiar with it and may use it in your own, uh, in your own practice, or that may be a part of your own understanding. So by contrast, um, I'll just read you something from a Vedic astrologer. Uh, in Vedic astrology, the north node of the moon is referred to as Rahu and the south node as Ketu. He goes on to talk about the mythology that comes from the Bhagavat Purana, uh, as well as the Mahabharata, and um, the mythology of Rahu and Ketu, who are basically um, a, a demon who two demons or a demon that becomes that gets cut in half and then the two parts of its body the head and the severed body are two entities anyway so how are they to be interpreted rahu represents that karma which causes our worldly desires externalizing energies which push us forward or even cause us to overextend ourselves it is only natural that if Rahu indicates worldly desires, it's capable of giving fame, power, political uh, success, money, beauty, when beneficially placed. This is a real reason you'll sometimes read, especially in books by modern Western astrologers, that the North Node indicates our future direction in this life. However, it should not be forgotten that the desires of Rahu, like most desires, are insatiable, and therefore happiness or satisfaction may not necessarily result from the attainment of these desires. So that's really important because for Indian astrologers, Rahu is indeed associated with something that compels us to act in a certain way or in a certain direction. Follow the impulse of Rahu like you follow your appetite when you're hungry. Uh, Rahu is literally described as a hungry ghost. Now there's nothing wrong with I mean, from the eternal perspective, I don't think God looks down on us for following our desires. They are exploratory. They're placed in our heart for a reason. And you could very well say in a certain sense that they are the means by which we evolve. However, sometimes I think what people don't understand is that that evolving doesn't come by going in, like, let's say in the case of the North Node being in Aries, that that evolving doesn't come by means of becoming fundamentally more assertive and courageous than you currently are. And if you do so, you will have evolved spiritually. I think about it that when you read the Indian astrological texts and what they say about Rahu, it's a little different than that. It's more like saying you're going to be you're, within you, a hunger for a certain kind of experience is going to grow. Ultimately, if you think of that experience as the thing that will deliver you, that will bring you happiness, that will bring you fulfillment, you will be chasing it like so many other fool's golds. And the more you reach for it and try to satiate yourself by means of you know the, the accomplishment of this desire, you satiate this desire, uh, the more empty that you'll feel and the more corrupt you'll potentially become as well because the things we desire make us sort of obsessive 
and we can get really good at things because of that impulse or we can we can develop things to an almost e extreme level because of the impulse that Rahu present North Node presents us with. So that's why it's associated with political power, gain, wealth, success, prestige, etc. Um, but it's ultimately the experience and exploration of these desires and realizing what they can give and what they can't give us that allows us to evolve. So it's not like go do the North Node, get good at it, and you'll evolve. It's more like the North Node is yet another delusion or fantasy that we will have that something or someone or some experience or some archetypal field can fulfill us. And ultimately, the experience that we go and seek and have isn't good or bad. It's just more divine experience in, in a blessed divine universe, right? Um, but the ultimate lesson that we come back to with every experience that where, where we go out to seek some kind of ultimate satiation is the same thing, which is that um, it's here already. It's right. It's within you. It's who you are and it's what you are and it's what is. And so is there something wrong with going out and seeking uh, the attainment of, of something uh, perfect? And um, no, there's not. But insofar as we become obsessed with the pursuit of some kind of Rahu-like desire, we'll always be led back to the same um, basic insight, the same basic spiritual value, which is that everything is, is beautiful, blessed, perfect, just as it is. There was nothing that you needed in the Aries North Node because you were incomplete. There was nothing, and there's nothing bad or con you're not condemned for going off and, and trying that on and seeing if that was the answer, right? But what you find out over and over again is that it wasn't the answer. It was an experience and a valuable experience, but it didn't, it didn't change the fundamental fact that you are loved and beautiful and perfect just the way you are and the universe is loved and beautiful and perfect just the way it is. So there's always a warning built in in Indian astrology about Rahu because Rahu is the temptation that leads us to externalize and move out of ourselves seeking satisfaction in something um, in something else. It's like a salvation impulse. Like I'm I'm not happy, so I have to go and get something or whatever. But you know. I, I don't, I really, again, just to emphasize, I don't think that God sits on some throne up, uh, you know, somewhere being like, well, look at, look at them foolishly pursuing all of these stupid things. No, I think in fact, the universe is a choose your own adventure, uh, you know, playground that facilitates our exploration of these desires so that we can keep coming back to this basic truth and deepen into it. And that, it, that the facilitation of, of worlds we can build and explore uh, by means of these desires is um, is merciful and, and beautiful and interesting and artistic. So in a sense, it's true. The North Node is something you pursue for the sake of evolving, but not in the sense, it's like an experiential feel that the soul is like, mm, I'm hungry to go check that out because maybe there's something there that will fulfill me in a way that I'm not feeling right now that little angstiness and, and it's like, it's so human. It's so human. So I, I, and I think even if we might know that pursuing various desires or impulses will not, you know, give us anything that sort of isn't already here. 
um, that we can't help ourselves and we shouldn't, we shouldn't be hard on ourselves about that, that, that we shouldn't, you know, look down our own noses and, and, you know, feel, feel bad or that we can't help, but externalize and go and pursue desires. I think life is given to us for that reason. Uh, but that's quite, again, that's quite a bit different than saying, well, go and, uh, do the North node. And if you do it, you'll evolve spiritually. You'll get up the next level of spiritual attainment or something like that. I don't, I don't, I, I don't think that's at all what Indian astrologers were talking about. So this is my opinion. The Vedic astrologer goes on to describe K2. So in repeating Rahu represents that karma, which causes our worldly desires, externalizing energies that push us forward or even cause us to overextend ourselves. It's only natural if Rahu indicates worldly desires that it's capable of giving power, fame, political success, money, and beauty, especially when beneficially placed. This is the real reason you'll sometimes read, especially in books by Western astrologers that the North node indicates our future direction. However, it should not be forgotten that the desires of Rahu, like most desires are insatiable and therefore happiness or satisfaction may not necessarily result from the attainment of these benefits. K2 indicates difficult personal karma, such as long-term addictions and compulsions. It represents karma that is much more deep-seated, introverted, and internalized. Karmas that are less open and outgoing than the ambition and desires represented by Rahu. In its positive side, K2 shows karmic accomplishment, those skills and abilities which we have perfected in previous lives, which we bring into this life fully developed. For this reason, those souls who are born with great abilities, natural psychics, healers, those with musical or mathematical skills, etc., will have a prominent south node. So he goes on uh, to talk a little bit more. But one of the ways that I've heard K2 described would be um, to say that whereas there's an externalizing impulse to seek to seek satisfaction through um, through things that aren't familiar, that we desire, that we think, well, if I could just have that, that I don't have, then I would be happy. And that, that's much more like Rahu in the North Node that's sort of pushing us in a direction. Um, an experimental, experiential field that we feel compelled to go into, that's like Rahu. Uh, K2, on the other hand, has more of a, um, for example, it is more associated with the desire to check out of the world, which is also why it's associated with mysticism and spirituality. Its, its impulse is less about, let me go into the world and explore it, and rather let me check out um, through uh, either things that are dissociative, like uh, addictions or like dissociative uh, use of, of substances to check out of the world, or the tendency to bypass it, or the tendency to uh, um, almost like the the way in which we try to uh, try to leave rather than engage with the world. It's the it's it represents the temptation in some ways to check out rather than go in. Well, there's a really interesting connection between that and the idea of internalized karma, um, because. Whereas the, there's the, in in with Rahu the the desire is to taste and explore something that you haven't, and to externalize an, an impulse through trying to satiate it by gaining something usually material in the world, uh, power, fame, money, wealth, status, mastery. I mean, those are much more like Rahu impulses. 
the south node will be a little bit more like um uh what can I go toward that gives me satisfaction that that doesn't cause me to have to go out and get something new or that doesn't uh, cause me to have to go out and, and engage in some kind of conquest, which is why there will be a tendency in the South Node to rely on what's already there within you, like the things that I'm already good at or the things that I already find some satisfaction in that I already know because there's a way in which just relying on that is almost like a way of having to avoid going out and doing new things and gaining new experiences, which could be considered regressive. But it's also about the things that we can rely on that are there for us that um, can keep us from the, the fool's errands. For example, like the, if the North Node in Aries wants to take on a conquest, uh, win something, or be victorious, the um, the inner south node in Libra might be someone who says, I have a peaceful, refined, diplomatic sense of things, and I'm just going to sink into that because it's really well established in me. And from that perspective, the need to go out and dominate is sort of crude and unrefined. And so I'm going to rely on this part of me that feels poised, diplomatic, peaceful, agreeable, etc because i know that and that is like my little meditation space that keeps me from the reckless impulsiveness of this desire to win and dominate that the north node is presenting me with so the thing that's interesting is that from a, a, a traditional perspective you know at least the vedic perspective k2 can actually be not just stuff that we know that's regressive that we have to let go of but it can be the stuff that we know that we rely on that acts like um, meditation that grants a kind of control and stability in who and what we are that steadies us and, and steadies us from the, the temptations and impulses to go out and do things that are somewhat fruitless, that will make us obsessive and have us relentlessly pursuing things that won't fulfill us. I mean, rely on what's already within you and don't get distracted by the things out there. Right. So that's there's wisdom, in other words, in the South Node that can actually prevent us from some of the more malefic, materialistic, obsessive qualities of Rahu. But then on the other hand, K2 can be can be regressive and can rely too much on what's already known and out of fear and a kind of stubborn clinging to the past, um, uh, choose to ignore the call to new terrain psychically, spiritually, emotionally. Uh, we can't pretend to be somewhere we're not. You know, most of us, at least my experience of myself and my clients and everything, we're, we're not in the place where we are deeply living from the sense that we are okay just the way we are. And, and according to, you know, the Indian sort of karmic philosophy, there's really no way to get there other than to keep living and experiencing. And as long as we do, the nodes of the moon in the chart are like a river, like a karmic river. But the interesting thing about this river is it's, it's flowing in a direction that can change. So sometimes growth spiritually is found through flowing into the new experiences represented by the North Node. Uh, and sometimes it's about recognizing them as insatiable, obsessive hungers that we have. And the river needs to flow in the opposite direction toward what is already within us and toward the internalized lessons of the past that keep us from the, the restless temptations represented by the North Node.
it, it's so, so I, I really don't, the one thing I think, just as my humble opinion, the one thing I think that is not always so clear about the way that most, you know, sort of modern astrologers look at the nodes is that it's too linear. They, 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 they think about the North node as this heroic path of progress. And, um, the, first of all, I'm not sure if the word progress is a great way to think in general about spiritual growth. Um, I like the word evolution well enough. I mean, that's a fine word, but um, the dynamism between the nodes, think of a river that's flowing in two directions at once or that switches directions. It's really better to think about the nodes of the moon as these currents of karma that can flow into the future and from the past uh, toward new experiences or towards internalized things we already know, toward regressive tendencies or dissociative tendencies versus experimental and explorative tendencies, materialist versus um, maybe more spiritual, uh, sometimes dissociative versus um, an ability to be in the world and go into the world. Um, so it's really the, the, the dichotomy between the nodes is so beautiful. And, and, and rich and much, much richer and more diverse than just go that way. Don't go that way. And wow. I had no idea. I here I said, I'm like, I'm not going to go into the distinction so much. And then I just couldn't help myself. So, <laughs> so sorry about that. If you weren't expecting that or su super interested, but anyway, all of that being said, what does it mean that the North node is entering Aries and the South node Libra? Well, the compulsion that we feel is to go toward Aryan things, muscularity, strength, independence, assertiveness, courage, bravery, advocacy. The, it's the fighter. Uh, it is the sign of Mars, God of war, sign of the sun. So individuation, individuality, striking out on our own, taking risks, entrepreneurial things. Uh, the, the fire and passion of Aries is intense and consuming. It's youthful and energizing. It likes to start things and it likes to do so with almost like disregard for what other everyone else thinks or how to balance everything or what if what if i upset someone you know and so the the impulse toward new experience will be in that general direction whereas on the other hand the uh the south node brings us maybe it, it puts that impulse into dynamic tension with an internalized sense of um peace and diplomacy, uh, tact and, and care and concern for the other, uh, with, um, with what is beautiful and balanced and Aries will tip the scales, right? Aries is not necessarily going to care about what's, what's balanced or poised or refined or sophisticated. Aries is a little bit more brutal, but also, you know, arguably like less risk averse Libra is so can be so calculated and perfectionist. Aries may push us away from that into, you know, its territory of, of uh, its new territory of conquest. And like, you have to throw caution to the wind to do that. Uh, Libra's internalized wisdom though, is also the, the peace, the diplomacy, the intelligence that keeps us from some kind of reckless bravado, or um, it's the sense of being able to call upon the peaceful, refined, architect of, of beauty and, um, and balance that lives within us or that lives within a certain domain of life. And, uh, to call on that and say, no, I'm not going to be tempted into some kind of, you know, recklessness, you know, I'm, I'm going to, 
I'm going to call upon my wiser, more balanced perspective. Um, it's a, a, a concern for inclusion of others versus the tendency to go it alone or in one's in the direction of individuality. It's about relationships versus self. Um, and so, but I, I would, I would, again, just sort of, you know, like implore everyone, like, don't think about Aries as the right direction to go and Libra as the regressive or bad direction. It's, it's never that simple with the notes. They're presenting an archetypal dyad and it's going to be important to, to take, to explore the Aryan territory, to follow that calling and urge and impulse. And we'll do the horoscopes tomorrow and you can see what area of life you're going to feel that call in. Uh, we'll talk about that. But again, at the same time, the Libran area of life, um, the sense of uh, care, duty, responsibility that is socially oriented, socially concerned, that cares about the scales being balanced and that things be fair and that not one person's will or way, including our own, become too dominant, that that's going to be an incredibly important force that checks the urges or impulses of Aries because we've this is a wisdom that's there to be like a the, the rudder that's guiding us through the new territory that is represented by Aries. Um, on the other hand, there's also, you know, any any time that you you want to you're you're so concerned about what everyone else thinks that there's no room to take uh, take a stand or take a risk. Um, that could be problematic. There is the addiction and allure and dissociative tendencies of Libra that are vain or, you know, overly concerned with wealth and beauty and status and social critique, social standing, and those elements will step up and get loud and, in a sense, be temptations for us to escape uh, and not step forward in the ways that the North Node of the Moon might be calling us to step forward. You know, in ancient um, Greek astrology, the North Node of the Moon was associated with things that grow for better or worse, whereas the South Node of the Moon was associated with things that diminish or decrease for better or worse. So there's a relativity about the nodes that the North Node tends to amplify things like Jupiter, whereas the South Node tends to reduce things, uh, make them sort of um, deteriorate like Saturn. Saturn is associated with deterioration, death, and decay. Um, well, we've, I've always used this example. If you, you don't want a tumor with the North Node of the Moon because it'll make it grow. You, don't want on, you do want a tumor with the South Node because it'll shrink it. And that's the relativity of the nodes as the Western astro astrologers saw it. The North Node of the Moon will amplify Aryan things for better or worse. Whereas the south node of the moon has the power to diminish problematic things with Libra intact, but it also has the ability to um, cause harm. That that um, that that there there are some very good things that could be diminished because of an overly conservative Libra tendency or something like that, uh, or or a too too much of a reliance on on Libra um, could you know, just like Saturn is exalted in Libra, could act as a kind of, um, um, 
well, like ancient astrologers said, if you took a benefic and you put it with the south node of the moon, that, that the south node would actually curb and limit the power or, you know, um, effectiveness of the benefic planet. So if you think of Libra in its potential to act as something um, benefic could be curbed or sort of limited by the south node so that you have almost like a compromised and, and somewhat more malefic form of Libra that can come out. These are just different ways of talking about really the same exact formula for interpretation that Indian and Western astrologers had. Um, so the, the same, but the same point generally applies. All of the Aryan tendencies are going to call to us and teach us through new experiences and desires that we can't help ourselves. We've got to go and check out. There will be some way in which we can get carried away obsessive and these desires are not necessarily good for us so you have to be careful it's not just some general you know green light that says go this way and all will be well it's not that simple uh, uh you know and on the other hand there's going to be a sense of relying on internalized libran wisdom for better or worse uh, sometimes regressively or dissociatively and other times as a curbing or checking influence uh, that will help us avoid pitfalls. Uh, so we will internalize Libran wisdom too. We will deepen our Libra wisdom as um, a power that can keep the temptations at bay in life overall. It's like you're going to get a crash course in like all of the best things about Libra that will keep you on the right course in your life. Um, you'll also have to explore those periods of time in which those exact Libran virtues uh, could be holding you back from something that the Aryan North Node is calling you into. Isn't that fascinating? I just love, it's like the, the nodes of the moon are really fascinating. I've written an article about it for the Mountain Astrologer that was published, I think it was last year, and taught many uh, courses on it. If you go back in my videos, you can find, if you just keyword search nodes of the moon, you can find quite a few talks that I've done on the nodes of the moon from the traditional and modern perspectives kind of comparing and contrasting them. So anyway, I hope you found this useful. We'll be doing horoscopes on the nodes of the moon changing signs tomorrow. And uh, hopefully that will add to your understanding as well. So that's it for today. Hope you're having a good one and we'll see you again soon. Bye everyone.